Yeah, student ministry, we're just going to be loud up here, okay? We're going to get after it. You know, I, uh, this is round two. This is round two for me. That's, that's normally what the people who come up here and do, they do it twice. So it's, uh, this is game on. Here we go. I got this. God's got this. Let's do this. Uh, happy Father's Day. Uh, just again, just happy that this is the day that we get to celebrate you, that we get to say hello uh, and welcome you, give you donuts. You know, donuts are always good, always good for a father's heart. Uh, but uh, but on, a, on another note, when we think about this day, this day can bring a lot of different emotions. This day can bring a lot of different feelings. Uh, there can be a lot of joy. There can be a lot of smiles and happiness and good, fond memories. Um, but there can also be the opposite, right? There can also be different emotions that come up. There can be some emotions of, of sadness, emotions uh, of, of feelings that, that flood us and flood our, our, our minds and our memories. And, uh, and today is such an important day and such a powerful day for me to be able to be up here because man, I've been at Woodside now for, for 10 years, a little over 10 years. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, and guess what? This is, this is my first Sunday morning uh, preaching. It's my first time in 10 years Sunday morning preaching. They've kept me to the students. Uh, they've kept me on some mission trip stuff and some Hope Week stuff. And they're just letting me go. They're, letting, they're releasing me here this morning. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, the expectations can just be all over the place. So, again, just have mercy, have grace, have compassion as I exit the, the doors here for me, uh, no matter where we end up. But my heart is for Jesus to be known. My heart is for Jesus to be glorified. My heart is for Jesus to be the one who receives all the praise and all the honor that he alone is worthy of. So that's, that is my heart, and that's what I love to proclaim here this morning. So what I'd love to do is I'd love to pray for us. So would you join me in prayer? Father God, we come before you expecting to hear from you, expecting to see you move, expecting for you to be the one that is glorified in and through everything. Father, if you don't show up, Holy Spirit, if you don't reveal, if you don't speak, this is all in vain. Father, we just want to be your hands and feet, God. We want to hear and we want to do. So I pray that you would speak now. I pray as we open up your word that you would speak to us in power, that the words would not just be words that stay on a page, but they would penetrate our hearts and cause, cause us to take action, cause us to take steps for your glory, to make you known. So God, again, we thank you. We bless you. We say this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. So I get another privilege of being able to take a break from Revelation, huh? And uh, I get to jump into Psalms. You guys like Psalms? Oh, man. I love the Psalms. I love the Psalms. Uh, we're going to be in Psalms 103, 6 through 14. Uh, and we're going to be really hammering home uh, truly what it means for the, how the, oh, sorry, how we see the Father and how he cares for his children. How the Father cares for his children. Um, before we do that, I just want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this because this really goes in the context and really can invade every aspect of this message is what is your uh, remembrance, right? What is your experience? What is your uh, understanding when it comes to a father? What does that look like for you? What is the thing that flood your mind 
when you come across a father, when you think about a father and how he loves. And I love to just let you know this, that I believe that your understanding of God, your understanding of God the Father is going to affect how you respond to God and his commandments, how you respond to his word and the words that he's written for us to receive. Not to just hear, but for us to then live out of. Not with just a part of us, but with all of us, with all of our being, with all the ins and outs of who we are, all of our, our nature, all of our, our makeup, our, our, our fleshly makeup that is moved into action for his name and for his glory. So I, I think it's very fitting that I share a little bit about myself and how I relate uh, to my father. Uh, <clears throat> it's, pretty, it's pretty cool to be able to tell you and to share with you that uh, I have a father that, uh, that loved me. Oh wait, he still loves me. He still loves me. He's still here today. He just turned eight a couple uh, weeks ago, uh, but he's, he's kicking. He's moving and, and doing really well. Uh, but ultimately, I can tell you that I have a father that loves me. I have a father that points me to Jesus. That that's his heart. That was his heart for me and for my sisters and for our lives, that we know Jesus. And, and not that we just know about him, but we know the works that he does. We know the things that he does in and, in and through him being the one that operates within us when we allow him, when we surrender to him. And that's my understanding of Jesus. That's my first understanding. That's that what continues to propel me. And that is thanks to my dad to be that example to me. But on the other hand, I also think about how that relates to my dad in the ways of that's not his background. That's not his understanding. I know we all have these different backgrounds. Some of you can relate to me right hand in hand, and the other of you, you're, on, you're in this page right here. The dad is absent. Uh, his dad, my grandfather, who I never met, uh, he, he uh, actually, I was just talking to my dad about this, and I asked him, you know, more about just that, that relationship, and he told me, he said, uh, that he really hasn't had more than maybe 20 words that he has maybe had a conversation with his dad about in relation to a relationship. More than 20 words. Absent. Not affecting him, not, not involved in there, and, I, and it begs the question to, uh, that I ask myself, is how can he love me? How can he point me to Jesus? How can he go before me and be able to show me what it is to know who I am? Was my dad perfect? No. I won't go into all of his flaws and all of his mistakes because he never claimed to be perfect. But he was someone that I could look up to. He was the best man in my wedding. He's one of my best friends. But how did he know how to love me? How did he know how to show me what that, what that looks like? And what I love that we get to unpack here today and as we go to God's word is God's word, his truth shows us. His word is spoken through the Holy Spirit for us to be able to interpret and live out of and walk out of and know that through his word, through his inspiration, through his design, we can love. We can point others to Christ. And that's a testimony that I get to share with you all here today about. And I can't wait to actually look at these verses and to see it. And as we look at Psalms, we look at the understanding of, of where these words are coming from. It actually comes from, as David, the King David, is one of the main authors of this book, right? Uh, this, this poetic book, this book that sings, this book that points to a God, this book that laments, this book that has all these different facets in it that we can, we can see and be, get excited about. But it also points us as we get to know the author a little bit about the highs and the lows of David. David's one of my favorite people in the Bible. 
I love, I love his passion. I love his, his hunger. I love his, his ability to want to stand up to say, this is my God. Who can be against me? And just run into that battle. Man, I want that. I want to be like that. <clears throat> but we also see David as someone. We also see David as someone who falls short, right? We also see David as someone who doesn't have it all together. Even though God says in his word, he says that he's a man after my own heart. He has these major failings, these flaws. What I think is also really interesting, and as I was reading this and kind of preparing for this message, is looking at David and, and, and seeing kind of like, well, how does he relate to his dad? And, and we're, like I said, we're not going to go really deep into this, but 1 Samuel 16, it speaks about uh, the prophet Samuel. Right, how God has told him, you're going to go now and you're going to bring about a new king, who, where King Saul was this king. And you're going to go and you're going to go to the house of Jesse and you're going to be able to then bring me that new king. I'm going to show it to him. Be faithful, be obedient, and I will tell you who it is. So he goes before Jesse and he asks him to see all of his sons and they bring him forth, right? They all come out and no peace comes upon him. No, no direction comes upon him of the one that he's supposed to pick. And this part's really interesting to me. He says, do you have another son? Is there someone else? And he goes, well, yeah, I have, I have another son, but he's out with the flock. He's out with, with the sheep, tending them like a servant. And I always find that, I find that very interesting. And there's, as I was looking into it, there's different points of view, right? So I'm not here to stand on this foundation, this point of view. But the heart behind what I'm about to say is, how does David view his father? And how has that impacted how he relates to God the Father? And I say that just because... Why was he not there? If the, if the prophet of God is coming to your home, and he's going to speak the word of the Lord to you, why are you not obedient? Why aren't you bringing everyone there? Is there shame involved there? Is David from an illegitimate marriage or an illegitimate like, background that it was not the same mother, and there's shame, there, there's guilt? Why is he tending the flock? Why is he this servant? Because Jesse obviously has means, right? He has sheep, has this land. He has, he has to have servants that can be out there watch, watching them so that he can be obedient and bring his son. But why doesn't he bring him? And no matter where that, where that lands with you is either there is the shame that's already on David at that moment or we can also determine that if he's not being brought before the Lord as these are my boys, why isn't he proud of me? Why is he not brought on the for forefront of this, these are my boys? David wasn't a part of that. So I just, I just think through that and wonder like what was going on in David's head? Because as we read through the scripture, we're going to get into it right now. We're going to get it. Here we go. As we get into this, it just determines me. It just blows my mind to think that there could be this rejection. There could be this pain. But he sees and knows his God. He sees and knows his God. And so let's, let's do this. Let's get into it. Verse 6, chapter 103, 6 through 14, it says this. The word of the Lord. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He may know his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, excuse me, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins or pay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. For as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows his compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we 
are dust. That we are dust. So we want to grab these some three points that I have for us today about how we relate to God and how God shows us who he is as it relates to us as children. It says, as the first one, is that we are the beneficiaries of his mercy. We are the beneficiaries of his mercy. Verse 8 says this, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. When we look at that text and that verse, we see that it can relate right back to Exodus. We see how this relates to the Israelites and how Moses speaks to them in dealing with them in their fickleness and their waywardness towards God. How they are so easily quick to find their satisfaction in themselves and looking to see how they can fulfill their own desires. How they lose their way, how they lose their focus on God. But what does God do? What does he show them constantly is his mercy. And again, I know we know this, but man, this is us. This is us that we're so prone to want and we're so prone to find and look for satisfaction in ourselves. That we're so quick to be able to forget what he has done for us. That we can rely on ourselves and our own strengths. And check this out. Lamentations 3, you don't have to turn there. I did it for you. Here it is. It says this. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Um, verse 12 in uh, Psalm 103 says this, For as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Oh, man. This takes me, really, I always think right into uh, Sunday mornings where you guys are sitting right now. Like right over here. Like we can, we're like connecting right now, right in this area where we're at. No, seriously, when I'm, when, on a Sunday morning, being able to reflect over my week and reflecting on, on where I've been and where God has taken me. I'm reminded again of God's mercies. And I can sing these songs of praise. Uh, just in this adoration of, of, of thankfulness of his mercies. Our sins, they are many, but his mercies are new. His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are for us. It takes me back to thinking excuse me, about how he cares for us, how the Lord shows us how he cares for us, how over and over and over again he shows his mercies to us. Think about your weeks. Think about your days. Think about your shortcomings. Think about where you have messed up. Maybe it was right before you came in here. I don't know where that is, but think about this. We have a God who has mercy on you, and maybe you've never experienced that. Maybe you've never tasted that. Maybe you're holding on to words that have been spoken over you. Maybe you're holding on to things <clears throat> that have held you back from being able to run with him. To be able to walk in communion with God. And not fully understanding that his mercies are new every morning. And these are not my words. And these are not just words that you're going to hear from someone else. or for, Like that I would hear maybe from my dad. These are good words. But if they're rooted just in another man. If they're rooted in another person or another spiritual father or mother. Whoever that is. Then they are just morsels. Because God is the whole thing. God is where it's found to have life and life everlasting. Because his mercies are new every single morning, and I need that. And when I sit in those chairs and I reflect on that week and I think about all the things that he's done, it makes me so thankful. It brings tears to my eyes. It makes me awe and wonder. Because God <clears throat> has revealed that to me. I'm going to hold this together. We're going to make it through. Just, we got this. Mm. What are you holding on to? What are those mercies that you need to receive for yourself? 
What is that forgiveness that you need to have washed over you? Every single day, every morning, they're new. Hmm. God is not like you and me. He does not show us mercies the way we show mercies. If you do this for me, then I will show you mercy. If you obey me, then I will show you this mercy. No, that's not how he works. That's not how he operates. His mercies are new. His mercies are greater than we could ever ask or imagine. And because of that, it allows us to be able to be used by him. Because if we rely on ourselves, if we rely, rely on our own understandings, then we are limited. That we are going to fall short. But if we rely on him and his mercies and understand this and walk in this, then sky's the limit. Then we'll be a part of things that are God-sized. We'll be a part of things that only he can do. He talks about moving mountains. What? <laughs> what does that look like? I don't know, but that's where God is. That's how he works. Those mountains in our lives, those obstacles in our lives, in Christ, because of him, because of what he's done, we can overcome. That's good news. We can praise God for we are the beneficiaries of God's mercy. And our second point here is that we can also then focus and know that, sorry, we can know that we are the focus and of his love. That we are the focus of his love. Verse 8 says this, he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. In verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. God is slow to anger and abounding in love. He doesn't respond out of emotion. He doesn't respond out of fear. He doesn't respond out of insecurity. He doesn't respond out of pain because he is holy and he is righteous. What are your experiences with that type of relationship? If it's your, if it's your dad, if it was a teacher, whoever that is, but someone who is quick to anger, who is not willing to give you that grace, who is not willing to give you that just bit of understanding, that bit of, of just, it's going to be okay. But very quick to point out your flaws. Very quick to point out your insecurities. Very quick to be able to point out that you're not good enough. And you, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to amount to anything. Those are heavy words. Those are powerful words. Are you holding on to these words? Are you holding on to any of those types of lies that have been spoken over you? I just think about that for myself. I think about that yesterday. I have three kids, enough said. But I was, I mean, literally yesterday, holding it together. Don't they understand? I got to speak in the morning. I have, a, I have responsibilities. I got these things to do. Like, it's a, I'm, I'm a little stressed out, you know. I'm really looking to the Lord for all these things. They just got to leave me alone. They got to just chill out. They got to get along. They don't need to cry. They don't need to yell. And, you know, that first two, three, four, five times, I've gotten up to like five or six times where I have that patience, right? I have that grace. I have that mercy. And then that sixth time comes along, and it is done. I'm confessing that. I'm confessing that. I'm being real. Man, I want to be able to tell you that I can just keep it on. I can take it. Bring it. Bring it, you know. Uh, there's some people, man, that you can just, they have this, supernatural gift, this favor that God's given them. They could have 20 kids and just handle it all. That's just not me. We had our third, praise God, shutting it down. <laughs> we prayed about it first. We prayed about that. We feel really strong that God in the discernment has told us to stop. So 
That's what we did as obedient children of God. Oh, man. I love that, man. I love, I love how God shows us in this love that he has for us, this window that comes into us to be able to see what's inside of us, to be able to see how he loves us, how he goes before us, showing us more and more of his goodness. And I, I see this 1 John 4, 7 through 11. I'll just, I'll just read this for you. This is beautiful. It says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for the love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not, oh, sorry, who does not love does not know God. Let me read that part again because I messed it up. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this love that we have loved God, that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We are called to love one another. These truths are spoken to us, not for us to just be able to receive and be like, God, give me more of you, give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more. No, it's to be able to stand in this foundation that we are now supposed to go out and show that, reveal that, and live that out. There's a lot of things that God's calling us to do. He's given us so much. He's sacrificed so much because he loves us, because he's for us, because he's above more than, more than anything we could ever fathom or imagine what a love could look like and be like, a sacrificial love. But that love also comes with a statement that we are called to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And how do we do that if we do not understand fully who our God is? If we don't fully understand the character of our God? If we don't understand fully how he is for us? It's not cheap, right? This grace that he gave us, this mercy that he gave us, this love that he gave us, this was not cheap. This was not free. It cost him. He loves you so much. Yeah. He loves us so much that he came for you and for me. Even in the midst of all our mistakes, our mess, he stepped down for you and for me. Do we know that? Do we live out of that? What is your view of God? Do you believe that he cares for his children? He cares for you. He's so good. Hmm. This brings us now to our third point, that we are the beneficiaries of his mercy. We are the focus of his love, and we are the recipients of his compassion. Verse 13 through 14 says this, As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. And compassion, the simple definition says this, means sympathetic pity, concern for the sufferings or the misfortunes of others. We see in the Old Testament how the Israelites are God's chosen people, and he gave them a mission. He showed them this grace and favor in so many ways, but because of their sin nature, they would constantly focus on themselves rather than focusing on the outward demonstration of what God has done for them as the king of all nations. And this was what led them to believe that they were superior. This led them to believe that God's compassion was limited to them and them alone. But our God speaks to us. And he shows us and tells us and reveals to us that this compassion is not just for us, but it is to be given. It's to be given generously. It's, to be given, it's supposed to be given in a way that is, is beyond measure. 
that there's no limit to it, that our God is without limit. He calls us to go forth and to do the same. And our question is, as we think through these words, we think through these commandments, is how do I measure up? If we look to ourselves, we look to our own abilities, and the only thing that we can do in our own strength, strength we don't measure up very well, do we? We're flooded. I'm flooded. I, just, I, I get flooded with the understanding of, of the wrongs. I get flooded with the things that where I fall short. I'm flooded with the understanding of how I fall short of the way God demonstrates this for us, of how he cares for us, how he cares for us and his children. How he demonstrates that with a sacrificial love, with the compassion that can change everything if you allow it to. So my question to you all is this. How is this affecting your life? How does this affect your life? As we think about these mentors, we think about our fathers, we think about our mothers, we think about those that led us, that was this example for us, or that point us to Jesus, whoever that spiritual person is in your life. We have to understand that that has some level of shape in how we see and view our God in heaven. But if we stay there, right, if we stay there and we remain there in that place of just relying on what we know from them, what we know from a beginning of understanding of just us being just children, us being just young, us being just people who have this information and put it in our back pocket and that we go about our day like nothing else really matters. How is it shaping you? How is it changing you? When you go to your workplace, how is God the one that's directing you to say, this is where you're supposed to be? If you're going to college, you're going to school, whatever it is, how do you know that you're going in the right place if you've not asked him, if you've not had that fully, full understanding that God is the one directing your path? Are you allowing him into every aspect of your life? Are you allowing him to be Lord of your life? Are you allowing him to be able to shower you with his grace, with his mercy, with his love and compassion? And in turn, go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. To take this understanding, to take this identity in Jesus to the world around you. That's what he's asking us to do. He's demonstrated this love for us by going to a cross for you and for me. That's not cheap. I don't want to just say that in a way to where we just hear it like a Bible story. I don't want to... I don't want to say that... See why CT does the choke thing when he clears his throat all the time when he's messages. It, it works. Get you to focus. <laughs> Love that. No, no, I want, I want this. I want this to be something that we go to and understand clearly that this is something that was so precious. And if this is so precious, if this is so amazing, if this is so wonderful to be able to hear these words, then guess what? He has these emotions for you. He has this love for you that you cannot find anywhere else. No one can give it to you. This world cannot offer you anything like this. Nothing. Nothing. Okay, here we go. He sees you. He sees you. I do this with students all the time. I don't know. I'm going to try this. This is my nose. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Don't look at me cry. Close your eyes. No, I want you to just hear this. I want you to speak this over your heart. I want you to receive this. The one who gave it all for you. Ah, he sees you. He sees you. He sees your mistakes. He sees your pain.
<laughs> he sees your fears, your anxieties. He sees the things that you don't want anyone else to know. He sees the things that you'd be so ashamed of. He sees the things that you believe you can overcome on your own. Grace is amazing. I'm going to just wipe my eyes, and then you can open up yours. You can open up your eyes. He sees you. Question is, do you believe that? Romans 5, <clears throat> 5, 8 ha, demonstrates this. It says this, it demonstrates this, that while yet we were sinners, he died for us. Not when we got ourselves cleaned up, not when we figured it all out, but in the midst of our mess, he saves us. He loves us. What's holding you back, church? I want to tell you this. What's holding you back is going to be lies from the enemy to say that you don't believe who he says that he is. You don't believe the words that he's spoken over you, that identity that he's given you. When we don't believe, when we don't be our own obedient, it means that we are not believing what he is saying over us. He's not believing this truth, these words. So what's holding you back? I have good news for you. This calling, this life that he's called us to live, to go forth in, in this identity that he's spoken over you, with this nature of who he is, who he declares he is through his word, through these truths, believing these things, that we don't do this in our own strength, but we do this by this free gift that he gave us to receive him, to receive all of him, to receive all of the, the splendor and wonder and glory, all of his grace and mercy and compassion. And in turn, then, by receiving that, then, he gives us even more. He gives us his spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit that allows us to be able to walk into these battles, to be able to walk into that workforce, to be able to walk into whatever you're encompassing, anything that feels like it's too big, the mountains that are too big for you to climb or to overcome. And that's a good thing. I'm standing up here. I'm standing. I'm, this is really openness. I'm standing up here in front of you, not because I think I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips. By no means. There's a reason why this is the first time they've asked me to be up here. <laughs> Maybe the last. But that's okay. But I'm up here because I want to be a part of the things that God can do. I'm a mess. Look at me. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a mess. Uh, end it, Derek. Okay. Uh, I'm a mess, but the thing is that God wants to work, that he wants to move. So what are the things he's calling you to do? What are the things he's calling you to do that are too big for you? He cares, he loves us. He's good. The truth about our Heavenly Father continues to transform us from the inside out by the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. So before we leave here, Today, and I close this out in prayer. If there's something that's holding you back, and you're ready, you're ready to be free, today's the day, <clears throat> Father's Day, 2023, to come and receive that, to come receive Jesus, to come receive that next step of what it means to run with Him. Don't just hold on to the crumbs, don't just hold on to words on a page. 
that you, like I said, have in your pocket that will walk you through life. But all it is is it just stays in your pocket rather than being, and being an, er an eruption in your heart that brings you forth knowing that he is for me. Who can be against me? David did that, right? With a giant. Holy smokes. He knew who his God was. He was able to overcome any obstacles from his earthly father to know that his heavenly father is for him and will not forsake him. God loves you. He's for you. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. You are, you are, you are worth getting in front of a bunch of people and looking like a fool. So, Father, we just thank you. Oh, God, we just thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your forgiveness, your grace, and your compassion, your mercy, your love. Without it, we're nothing. Without you working in and through us, we're nothing. We're lost. We just will remain hungry. But you're the only one that can fill us. You're the only one who has the right to speak over us. Put a song in our heart. Father, we worship you. We glorify you. I just lift up, we just lift up everyone in this room right now, wherever they're at. God, you know them. 